Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. love what I get to preach in here because it kind of feels like we're on holidays from where we usually are and also if I'm preaching it means I don't have to sit on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I've ever actually sat on the floor. I mean if there's a chair I will be on it. Like right now why is not the sofa full of people? I don't know. I feel like I have a chair anointing when I get on the tube. I'm like Holy Spirit which cart should I get in? And I'm like yes. Um... (laughs) Which person's going to get up first? (laughs) Anyway. Um, Yeah, I was just praying on the way here, like, what God wanted to do in this service and um, what he wanted to say. And it's probably already started to happen through worship. Um, But I just really felt like there was a breakthrough here tonight for people who have, whose confidence has been knocked in the last season like people who have, for whatever reason, have had a setback and that they're stepping into breakthrough. I just felt like there was just a real shift um, in this place tonight for that. And, um, yeah, like it might have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I just felt like there was just something here, just um, like a confidence that was going to just come up in people and they can go, you know, I can do it. I can see that you know, I've got this, and um, this morning, hold on, it's like hot in here, and I was really going for it during worship, (laughs) Um, anyway, and this morning, I just had a picture of, like, a get out of jail free card, like, when you're playing Monopoly, and I just felt like there were just people that Jesus was going to be giving these cards to, where you feel stuck, like you've been stuck going around the same mountain, um, whether it's a circumstance or a job or a health situation or whatever it is. I just, I just saw like Jesus just giving out these um, get out of jail. Is that what they're called? Get out of jail free cards. It's a real mouthful, isn't it? Um, yeah, but I just, just really felt like there's God is really here and he's really real and he's really moving tonight. So, yeah. So we are continuing our um, story, our, our series on um, when Jesus met. We're currently going through the Bible and we're looking at all the different characters that Jesus met and his interactions with them and what we can learn from it and um, how it reveals his character. Uh, Viv last week was uh, sharing with us about children, when Jesus met children. And what's really cool is that my story is actually the next verse after the children. We didn't work that out on the spreadsheet, did we? Jesus is tricky. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm going to be reading from um, Mark 10, verse 17, and this is the story of the rich young ruler. Then, G- oh no. As he, Jesus, was starting out on a trip, a man came running to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get into heaven? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. 
But as for your question, you know the commandments. Don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Respect your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have never once broken a single one of these laws. Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. You lack only one thing, he told him. Go and sell all you have and give your money to the poor. You shall have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. The man's face fell and he went away sadly, for he was very rich. Jesus watched him go and then turned around and said to his disciples, it's almost impossible for the rich to get into the kingdom of God. This amazed them. So Jesus said it again, dear children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. The disciples were incredulous. Then, then who in the world can be saved if not a rich man, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Without God, it is utterly impossible. But with God, everything is possible. I think this scripture, this encounter that Jesus had with this man is such a key for us understanding what it looks like to live in grace and what it looks like to live hand in hand with the kingdom. It's like a, it's like a gateway into the miraculous and I'm just, I'm so, so thankful for it. Um, I, when I was reading through, you know how you know a story well, but then you actually read it <laughs> fully and um, something that really stood out to me in this story was um, Jesus' passive-aggressive comment at the beginning when the guy says, oh, um, good teacher, and he's like, hey, who are you calling good? Only God is good. And I'm like, what is that even about? You know, like, it's just such a, such a nitpicky kind of thing to say. And um, I'm going to come back to that. So just stay tuned. But I want to tell you a story about um, when God met me in a, in a similar place to this guy. I wasn't a rich, young ruler. I probably was only young <laughs> out of all those things. Um, but God really challenged me and he asked me to sell everything that I had and to go move to a different country and go to Bible college in California. Um, but it wasn't like the cool part of California. It was like in the sticks you know, up in near Oregon. And um, anyway, so I, not knowing, not having any money, I just followed him and I took the biggest risk of my life. And God was so faithful. I was out there for three years and he faithfully, every single month, he paid my rent. I had food to eat. It was just, it was a really incredible testimony of God's provision and his goodness. Um, anyway, this, I was in my second year and I, um, I, my rent was due and it was the day that my rent was due and this person had come up to me and they were like, um, Georgia, we just, we're just praying this morning, we just really felt God said that we need to give you this money and it was like exactly what I needed for my rent and then someone else who was sitting next to me um, at school said, oh, I 
just got a feeling like you might not have any food. I'm like, I don't have any food. And so they gave me, they gave me $20 to go and get some groceries, which is so amazing. Um, but my, so I got, you know, all the basics that I need to survive, like pasta, porridge, broccoli. Bro- I, <laughs> broccoli is a superfood, guys. And apparently if you're going to have one vegetable, that is the vegetable to have. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so I don't drink coffee or tea. And, but I drink orange juice and that is my thing. Like of a morning, I have to get up and have orange juice. It's just like... It's like my staple. You know how you have your thing? It's just, it's just like my thing. And anyway, I'd spent my $20 and I didn't have any more money. And I was on the floor in my room and I was crying out to Jesus. I was crying. I was on my floor crying out to Jesus for orange juice. <laughs> and anyway, and I felt the presence of God move away from me like he was leaving the room. I was so offended. I was like, Jesus, where are you going? <laughs> and anyway, and I felt the presence of God come back. And he just said, Georgia, if you knew my character, if you really knew who I was, you would not be on your knees praying for orange juice. He's like, I'm so offended that you're in travail right now for something that is so small. And I felt so challenged. I, was, I just saw for the first time that my unbelief was keeping God small in my life, that I was putting him into a really small box. And at that time, my roommate, who I shared a room with, which was a real challenge, she came in, because <laughs> you never have any space. She came in and she was like, oh, hey, Georgia, what's going on? And I was just like, I think... I think that God has just rebuked me for praying for orange juice. <laughs> anyway, so we, we have this conversation and, um, and, and she just gets right into it. And she's just like, um, she's just like, Georgia, you know what? We need, we need to get to know the God of abundance. We need to get to know the God of more than enough. And, um, and so she said, I want to I challenge you to ask God for something that is completely frivolous. And th- the first thing I thought of was a red car. And um, she then pointed out that that actually wasn't frivolous, that we actually really needed a car. And so I was just like, all right, try and think of something that's completely frivolous, something that's over the top, something that I absolutely don't need. And um, I've always been a huge fan of the royal family. It's just like a weird thing that I that I have, and like Princess Diana was my childhood um, like hero, and her diamond and sapphire ring was something that I've always like wanted one of those, and um, anyway, so I was just like, I'm going to ask for a diamond and sapphire ring, and she was like, Well, I'm going to ask for a Cartier ring, and anyway, so we had we we got on our knees and we prayed to Jesus and we're like. God, we just repent. We repent for asking for orange juice. You repent for making you small. And Lord, we want to know the God of abundance. We want to know the God that owns all the cattle on the hill. We want to, we want to know this God. And uh, don't you think all the cattle on the hill, that's just not a reference that like actually applies <laughs> to us. But that's like saying, you know, he's the God that owns all the money in the bank. Um, anyway, so good old Songs of Solomon. 
anyway, so we, um, we got into this thing where we were like, every single day we're going to go to the letterbox and we are going to check for our rings and we're going to thank Jesus that, you know, that he's the God of more than enough. And it was, it was such a great, like, thing for me that every time my, you know, your heart starts to go to, oh, am I going to be able to pay my rent? And am I going to be able to um, buy orange juice and stuff like that that's silly? I just go, thank you, God, that you are the God of more than enough, that you are the God of, of frivolous things, of the diamond and sapphire ring. Like, and it wasn't about the ring. It was just about getting my eyes off my lack and getting my eyes onto his abundance. Anyway, so I, um, so we did this for a year and she was like fully committed to it. I was like 70% committed to it, but we'd be like laying in bed at night and it'd be like 11 o'clock and Mary would be like, Georgia, have you checked the letterbox? No, Mary, I haven't checked the letterbox. And she'd be like, come on. <laughs> and so we'd go down there and check the letterbox, nothing in there, great. Anyway. So, um, so then we um, went back home for the summer, which is winter in Australia. So I ended up having like 13 winters in a row. Anyway, that's a side note. I, um, <laughs> still, um, so I, yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the ring thing was just like such, a, it was such a lesson. Like I really got to fix my eyes on God's abundance and it was amazing. And I kind of forgot about it. Um, and it was probably six months after that, so six months into my third year at Bethel. Uh, it was a Sunday, and I was walking past the litter box, and God just said to me, go and check the litter box. And I was like, it's Sunday. You know, what happens? Like, you know, mail doesn't get sent on a Sunday. And he was like, go and check the litter box. Anyway, so there wasn't anyone at home. I just went, got the key, went and checked the litter box, and there's a package in there for me, and it's from the East Coast from a church that I'd been to um, and done some ministry at the, the year before. Anyway, inside there's a letter from the pastor that says, hey, Georgia, um, a bit random, but uh, we, we were telling a story about you on Sunday and um, someone came who's never been to our church before came to the front and they gave me this and they said, can you please get this to that girl who you shared the story about? And um, I opened the package and it was a diamond and sapphire ring. <laughs> what? Li literally, it wasn't like a screaming moment. It was a dr uh, the fear of the Lord. Like, I just dropped that thing and I ran to the next room and I was just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're so real. I just, I could not, I could not believe it. I probably sat there for about half an hour not even touching it, just looking at it on the floor, being like, what? <laughs> what? But uh, it just, like, it wasn't about the ring. It absolutely wasn't about the ring. But God even gave me the ring, even though it wasn't about it. It was so amazing. And, like, I just, there's just something about, you know, about God showing up us giving God space to show up in our lives and letting him be God. I actually wasn't going to share this. This is a real tangent. But um, a few years ago, I was going through a really, really hard time in my life. And I was on a bus in Tasmania, like, 
after weeks of not sleeping and just crazy life situation and I actually lost the ring along with my mum's engagement ring. I know, I was on the bus and just thought, I'd like to moisturise my hands and never saw them again. They were gone forever. I've never taken off my rings to moisturise my hands ever again. Um, but you know what was incredible, and, and this is a real tangent, but I feel like it's really, um, it's for someone in the room, was when I realised I'd lost those rings, first of all, you can never lose a miracle, and those rings are coming back to me. I don't know how or where or why, but they are coming back. I actually had so much compassion for myself. And I didn't, usually I would have gone to, Georgia, you're such an idiot. But I was like, Georgia, you're in such a hard place. Like, I'm so sorry you just lost something so precious to you. And I just want to release that over everyone here tonight. Just a real compassion for yourself to have grace for yourself, to not be the punisher. So getting back to the rich young ruler, (laughs) it all ties in, guys. So that comment that Jesus made, I am not good, only God is good. I was really just meditating on that during this week and I was like, God, just just show me your heart. Like, like what was that about? And Jesus said to me, I knew why he was going to turn and walk away. And it's because he knew that God was right, but he didn't know that God was good. And so before he even answers the question, he's just like, I want to remind you of God's character. Nothing in this world is good, but God is. See, when God asks us to give up something, when he asks us to to sacrifice something for him, it's always an exchange. It's never the whole heart of God isn't for us to, to have nothing and to be suffering and um, to be without. The, the whole point of it is that he wants us to have abundance. He wants to be f- us to be free of the things that tie us down. And I have this absolute favorite... Um, scripture in Isaiah 60 that I was going to read out to you. It's from uh, verse 17. It says, I will exchange your brass for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for brass, and your stones for iron. Peace and righteousness shall be your taskmasters. Violence will disappear out of your land. All war will end. Your walls will be salvation and your gates praise. You will no longer need the sun or the moon to give you light. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and he will be your glory. What God is saying to the rich young ruler is you can have eternal life. You can enter heaven now. You can have it right now. Just make an exchange with me. 
Give me your silver, your most precious thing, and I will give you back gold. And I love when it says, you will not need the sun or the moon to tell you if it's day or night, for I will be your everlasting light. And this, at the end of this, Jesus finishes this with saying, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And this is what he wants us to live in. This is the reality. He, he died so that we could live in his grace and that our lives would glorify him. And, and when he comes to us and he says, give up this thing, whatever it is, it's not a downgrade. It is an upgrade. It's an upgrade to the real thing. But it requires us giving away control and stepping into trust which is probably one of the most vulnerable things that we can do. In verse 24, it says, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. So first of all, he says, how hard it is for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But then he clarifies it and he says, how hard it is for those who put their trust in riches. See, this God of ours, he is, he is so jealous for our affection, for our attention. And, and whatever you turn to first is what you worship. So if, if someone, if, if you feel in your heart, oh, I've got to give this person 100 pounds, and then you go and consult your bank account, what are you turning to first? I would give that person 100 pounds if, if I've got... You know, like 95, I'll go five in the debt. You know, it's just, it's just that trusting, trusting in him. That's what he wants from us. He wants our trust. And can I tell you, he will never, he will never leave you five short. He will always come and fill in the gap. He'll always stand in the gap. But we only get to know the diamond and sapphire God when we put ourselves out there, when we take a risk. It takes us getting out of our comfort zone. It takes us giving up control. In verse 21, it says, Jesus felt genuine love for this young man as he looked at him. This guy was a really, really good guy, but he just totally missed the point. It wasn't about getting it right. It was about love. It was about relationship. It's not about ticking all the boxes. It's about being real. I think that one of the biggest idols that we have in our culture is independence. We teach it in our schools. You know, grow up, get a job so you can be financially independent, which is great. But we're taught never to need, to, to be, to be self-sufficient. And I think that independence is an idol that keeps us striving for whatever, what has already been freely given to us. 
And that's a question I want to I ask you today. What are you striving for that's already been given to you? I think that um, every time I've read this, I thought, well, it's not good to have things. Like, it's not good to have money or to have a house or something like that. And, and that's definitely the theology that I was brought up with. Um, poverty was very spiritualized and it was like, it, but it was gross. It was just like, it wasn't like a healthy thing. It was like, we all have to make ourselves poor. And that is absolutely not what Jesus is saying here. And, and to anyone in the room who is a rich young ruler, to anyone in the room who has influence, we need you. We absolutely need you. And, and business is not a second-class ministry. Like, it is not. And wherever you are, wherever you work, wherever you go during the day, to your workplace, to your college, to, to wherever it is, you are on mission. And we need people who are in the government. We need people who are shaping our businesses, shaping our communities, our, you know, our nation, Brexit. We need our people in there, desperately. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's the rich young rulers who are going in there. If you are a rich young ruler, I really, I really suggest Proverbs as a book to read. It is just full of wisdom. And um, you need a different kind of wisdom when you have much. You need a different kind of wisdom when you have lack. It's like that Paul, what Paul says, I've learned how to, you know, what is it? Yeah, be content with little and with much, etc., etc. But um, something that has really s stuck with me is um, Proverbs 23 for probably the last 10 years or so. And it says, when dining with a rich man, be on your guard and put a knife to your throat if you are given into gluttony. For he is trying to bribe you, and no good thing is going to come from his invitation. What that looks like practically on a daily basis, that looks like putting a knife to your throat if you are having to choose integrity over promotion putting a knife to your throat if you're tempted by selfish ambition over helping the, the greater good. It looks like stepping out when, when you are afraid and, and bringing your faith into your workplace if it's appropriate. Sometimes even if it's not appropriate. It looks like denying yourself for what God is doing in the room. It looks like not turning towards what is right or what, or, or what is um, politically correct, but saying, Holy Spirit, what are you doing first? There's a, there's a real, I just, I just really felt this this morning. Um, 
that God really wanted to come in and really bring a shift into people's workplaces where there's competitiveness, where you're butting up against people, whether it's for promotion, whether it's um, for recognition, whatever it is. I just felt like God wanted to come in and he wanted to shift that competitiveness in, into um, collaboration. That's the word. So I just really feel like I just want to want to release that tonight that it, wherever like in any um, in any teams with any any colleagues with yourself if there's competitiveness that you're trying to compete with yourself I just feel like God wants to shift that and I just saw like a real um, like like a real cha- like instead of a competitive environment of an environment where people champion each other and where, the, where they lift each other up and just people going from being isolated and on their own to all being together and shining. And, and this is what happens when we have people of influence who are, who are dying to themselves, putting a knife to their throat and, and choosing the greater good, choosing what God is doing over, over selfish ambition. Because I'll tell you, I mean, I've been, I've been in the corporate world for, gosh, I mean, I don't even know how many years, maybe 10, 15 years. I don't know how old I am. But, <laughs> like, who knows? But just, the, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of lust and power is a real thing. It's just like, you know, when people are like, oh, you're amazing. No one can sell anything the way that you sell it. No one can da-da-da-da. Like, you know, you're the, you're the best. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm the best. And, you know... And it's just, it's not why God has put you there. And, and guys, instead of building our own empires, let's build an eternal kingdom that will last forever, that we'll, that we'll see it in eternity, like being built on. Yes! That's the kind of life I want to live. And this is what Jesus says at the end. He's like, with man, it is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. I have no idea how long I've been talking for, but um, if the band just want to come up. (laughs) (laughs) Just to anyone in the room who has felt any ounce of condemnation, like, oh, I should be doing a better job at my work, oh, I don't do this, da-da-da-da-da, that, that is not the voice of God, and I just want to cut that thing off right now. The voice of conviction says, oh my gosh, I get to do that in my workplace. I get to build something inter- eternal. And it is not unholy to have savings in your bank account, or to own a home, or to have a car. I mean, praise Jesus, we just release cars, <laughs> houses. Savings in the bank account. <laughs> it is not unholy. It's not unholy when we're walking in trust with Jesus every step of the way. When we're preferring him, when we're turning to him first. I'm just going to pray just really felt something on that compassion for yourself 
Jesus, we just stand here before you tonight and we just say we trust you. We trust you with everything that we hold on to, with everything that we hold dear, with the promises over our lives, with all of our problems, with things we don't know how they're going to work out. We, we just stand here and we just say we trust you. God, would you teach us? Would you show us how to live? Show us your ways. Show us where we need to put a knife to our throat and prefer you. Show us when we need to be brave. When we need to step out and we need to take a risk. And Lord, would you just show us how to have compassion on ourselves? Lord, that, that voice that punishes, we nail that to the cross right now in the name of Jesus. It has no place in any mind in this room. And for anyone whose confidence has been knocked in this last season, Lord, would you bring confidence, supernatural confidence. Would you show them which way to go? Yeah, Jesus, we have great expectation of you showing up in our lives and showing us your nature, revealing your heart to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.